1: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, with the Beijing Winter Olympics opening ceremony tomorrow, we look at the political tensions, the human rights issues, and the challenges brought by COVID that have dubbed this year's games the most complex ever. But first, we'll meet the directors of a new documentary about India's only all-female Dalit-run news network that, despite great odds, holds officials to account for caste and gender-based violence, corruption, and other abuses, it's called Writing with Fire. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Meena Kim.
2: Our world is a unique meaning.
1: That's the voice of Mira Devi, chief reporter of Kabar Lariya, India's only all female run news organization. The reporters are Dalit, Muslim, or from other marginalized groups who relentlessly expose corruption, failing infrastructure, and sexual violence against women in rural Uttar Pradesh. Mira says here when Dalit women succeed, it redefines what it means to be
0: powerful.
1: Mira and the reporters of Kabar Laria are the subject of a new documentary called Writing with Fire. And joining me now are the filmmakers Sushmit Ghosh. Thanks so much for joining
3: us. Hi, thanks for having us over here.
1: And Rintu Thomas, so glad to have you on with us as well.
2: Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Rintu, can you
1: tell us about how you learned of this all-female Dalit-run news organization and and why you made a film about it?
2: We saw a photo story um, which popped up on our Facebook feed and uh, the photographer had documented a woman traveling through mostly media dark villages in rural Uttar Pradesh with a newspaper in her hand and the story was about how it was an uh, all-women-led newspaper and the fact that these were Dalit women, you know, all of these words sort of jumped out at us. And when we met them, we got to know that after 14 years of print, uh, the women were contemplating switching to digital. And that was pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. because most of them had never touched a smartphone. So it felt like um, an in- important and interesting moment in their history and, and almost, almost like a beautiful cusp in time for us to enter. And, and beyond the premise, we were just interested in uh, the women themselves their yes. intellect, their wit, um, their vision for something that was um, larger than what they had already achieved and the fact that they were doing this sitting in a very tiny town um, in, in a rural part of India really was, was it just felt like these are the storytellers that we wanted to follow and, and understand where do they get this amazing spirit from?
1: Yes, I, thinking about the film's opening scene it really does give you that that sense of place and shows the scale and importance of the issues that these journalists are tackling the stories that they're telling mira is interviewing a woman in her home when the movie when the documentary starts and this woman is describing being raped by men multiple times and how her and her husband's complaints to the police are being completely ignored. Um, Sushmit Ghosh, can you tell us a little bit about the woman that that Mira is speaking to and what it was like for you to film that?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, this was a project that was an exercise in, you know, restraining your own emotions to everything (laughs) that's taking place around you. Uh, We were constantly filming in spaces that embodied the tragic as well as they embodied the hostile. And as we walked into that house, you know, we'd spoken to the woman and her husband before we started filming, explaining what we were doing, the fact that we were making a film on the, the journalists and if it would be okay to incorporate their story. And the first thing that they told us was, nobody is actually here to report on our story. And it's only the women at Kabalahari. And we'd be very happy for you to amplify this. And so so that was a natural segue into essentially what opened up as a scene. But I think it was very intense. Um, you live in, you know, Rintu and I are both uh city-bred filmmakers, so to speak. And while we've traveled all across the country, filmed a lot over the last 10 years in rural parts of India. I think, I think uh, you know, being with someone who is a survivor of sexual violence, mm-hmm. who talks about her own experiences and 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 you experience also the failure of a system that is is a moment of reckoning for anyone, uh, especially as a documentary filmmaker where you are witnessing a moment. And I think for us, it was, it was two forces playing out, this, this archaic force of how the caste system works in all its violence and acidity, but also the force of modern Dalit women using technology to counterbalance that and in a sense rectify the system and essentially champions of democracy. So you know it's hard to express what we were feeling. Uh, it wasn't an easy space to be in, but we knew it was an important moment, both for Mira and 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 the film as well because that scene led to setting up the context to the landscape, both political and social and also philosophical in the space in which Caaria as a newspaper exists and operates in.
1: yes, Mira is Dalit, the woman she's speaking to oh. is. Dalit, they face the same system that issues the misogyny, and I think it was you, Rintu, who said about Mira, when you wake up every day and a, and a rape or a murder or people not getting access to what is rightfully theirs is coming at you, and you yourself are part of these communities. You ask this question about how you stay motivated. What did you discover about what motivates the women to do this, the reporters to do this?
2: I think what was really um, important for us to witness and, and is it, it's, it's just um, very, very important to the story of Khabar Lairia is that the reporters are themselves members of the communities that they uh, report on. And that's unique. They are not ex- external journalists who have come to do a story and leave. Mm. And, and so when we talk about, for instance, sexual violence, they are there as 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 people who address survivors with a sense of compassion that I've not seen before. Um, there is a very conscious way of line of questioning which which doesn't make the survivor feel that somehow it was their fault. So the usual tropes of "How are you feeling?" like the the five Ws give way to a more um, compassionate conversation, and we could see that that. Um, the, the people in the community would trust them very easily because they belong to um, their community. And, and, you know, the woman that we see in the beginning, she's not really from a lower caste community. She is from a slightly upper caste, so-called upper caste community. And that's what is also amazing about Cavalaria, that they they invisibilize uh, the issues that need, uh, they visibilize the issues that need rectification for everybody. So, although mm-hmm. democracy has failed them, but when they stand up, they become the voice for everybody. Um, and that was that was uh, uh, I think that was just just amazing to witness day after day after day, um, while while women who are carrying trauma themselves standing up for others.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I think that was very powerful,
1: very powerful. And I love the point that you're making about their their skills and their ability. To question people with compassion. They also demonstrate incredible ability to firmly demand answers from the powerful people who hold much more power than them. And this is a film to watch for the incredible power of journalism and the and the power of the women and and the work that they do and the impact that it has. But it is also a film to watch just for journalism skills as well. These women are very skilled in terms of reporting a story and getting the information that that people don't necessarily feel like they can share. We're talking with Sushmit Ghosh and Rintu Thomas, co-directors of Writing with Fire, an award-winning documentary film about India's only all-women news network and the stories that it's brought to light. It's been shortlisted for an Oscar. And if you want to join the conversation with your questions about it or your thoughts about what you're hearing from Sushmit and Rintu, you can call us at 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us, forum at kqed.org. I want to ask you about another woman. Her name is Sunita, and she is reporting on a massive story about basically a network of illegal mines near her town. And, and as you were talking about how the women... Uh, live in the communities that they report on. Uh, she is reporting on how tunnels have collapsed, burying miners alive. The mafia is threatening to kill anyone who speaks up about these conditions. So, can you help us understand what is going on here and the kinds of personal risks she's taking?
3: Sunita so was is a force of nature. She was <laughs> the youngest uh, journalist in the room when we started sort of... So the first day we landed up in Uttar Pradesh, the women were making this decision of whether to pivot from print to digital. And Sunita was the youngest reporter in the room, constantly challenging the leadership, um, you know, almost a bit foot and mouth, so to speak, but but a maverick of a shooting star. And we instantly fell in love with her. Uh, And that's essentially the personality that she brought to the film as well. Um, Extremely vivacious. Um, Just as, as a bit of context, she had grown up in a mining belt. This region of Uttar Pradesh is known for its illegal mines, um, the mining mafia. And uh, in a sense, she had this personal connect with with this story. Uh, She was always driven to report on this. And and a very ambitious reporter, she always wanted to be a crime journalist. Mm. So these beats came quite, quite easily to her. She was always on the ground, whether there was an accident or a murder or, you know, a a mining story. And you see that play out in another scene where she's with male journalists and they are questioning a police officer and how she's mansplained. Uh, But then she goes on to report on the very stories that everyone is telling her not to. So she takes great personal risks. But, you know, I think one of the things that we also wanted to sort of present in the film was not only are these journalists extremely sophisticated and nuanced in the way they pick their stories and report. They're also master negotiators and skilled in in how to actually um, report on these stories. Because if you're living in a village that is in the middle of an illegal mining belt and you're literally surrounded by the mafia, uh, you need to be able to find your ways around the system. And Sunita is someone who essentially embodies and champions that spirit. And uh, she goes on to do that at multiple times through the film. And I think someone that viewers easily associate with and are drawn to.
1: Absolutely. And coming out of this break, I'll actually play a little bit of uh, Sunita, where you can hear, I think, a little bit of her spirit. We're talking about the documentary feature Writing with Fire, and we'll have more with filmmakers Sushmit Ghosh and Rintu Thomas after the break. Stay with us, I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. I'm Meena Kim. Filmmakers Sushmitch Ghosh and Rintu Thomas have co-directed a documentary on India's only all-women and Dalit-led news network called Writing with Fire and the incredible odds that these women report against who are also part of the community. And just before the break, we were talking about one of the reporters, Her name is Sunita, and how she was reporting on illegal mining. And what I want to play for you now, listeners, is just a little bit of Sunita talking to a group of about 50 men about wanting them to talk to her about the damage that the mines have caused. In this clip, they don't believe she's a journalist, and they are questioning her being there. And you can hear a little bit of Sunita standing her ground. Here it is. Rindu, can you tell us a little bit about that scene? What was going on there?
2: We were um, on a completely different story with Sunita, and she got a call, and she immediately changed her plans. And, uh, you know, the road... To just the, the road had broken down completely. So we got off the auto and to reach the place where the villagers were um, had, had collected, it was entirely slushy and muddy. Um, <laughs> I was just like, how on earth are we going to just make it there? And I struggled uh, walking through the mush, but Sunita just like shot like a bullet. Um, and <laughs> when, when we made it, um, I expected the crowd to, you know, just be uh, uh, cooperative because here's a journalist who's turned up to tell their story. But it became quite aggressive in no time. Yes. Man in the middle of it, sort of questioning her credibility, her intent, and really stonewalling her before mansplaining her and minimizing her. And and our co-cinematographer, Karan, was with us. And as the temperature was just going up, I remember telling him... Just stay on Sunita. Just you know, just keep rolling and stay on Sunita, and see, if we'll watch for any signs. If she says we leave, we immediately leave. <laughs> contrary, she just, as you said, held her ground and so professionally, and used her words to really um, share her intent. And uh, one realized that this is every day. It was, it was surprising and a different experience for me. But uh, the, just generally, the community was so fed up of corrupt media um, not showing up or when they show up taking bribes that they just generally had a sense of there's an air of mistrust. But this one person decided to singularly, um, you know, uh, minimize Sunita. But just if you and, and that's why you, you see through the scene, the cameras on Sunita, um, she is not she's 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 unfazed and and has this air of I'm here to do my job and let me do it effectively and just as a matter of time the 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 energy changes and it shifts in her favor when people start talking and say okay you know, here's a person who's, who's turned up to listen to us and, and is not charging us money. But more importantly to me that day, Sunita, I mean, she's always a hero and a joy to work with, but uh, really she embodied the sense of purpose and, um, and and someone who knows how to navigate aggression. So there was no way she was allowing it to get escalated but she had her own style, which is so unique, so different from Meera, so different from Shamkali, the other character we see in the film. She's just like, you know, loves holding her ground and we all have a lesson or two to take from her.
1: Yes. Did you, though, ever... I mean, she does, while she's holding her ground, you're still sort of holding your breath as the viewer, worried about her vulnerability in that moment, surrounded by all those people. And one of them basically saying, you know, to stay within your limits because they're frustrated by her tone initially. Were there moments when you did feel, feel or feel unsafe or fear for their safety, Rintu?
2: It's very interesting. So Mira was asked this question at uh, IDFA, the film festival in Amsterdam. And she said, you know what? I was generally in the first year we were filming worried for these guys because <laughs> we were, <laughs> these guys came from, it's a completely new environment for them. Uh, for us, uh, this is everyday reality. And the fact that we have empowered ourselves with the power of education um, and just the experience of having your ear and feet on the ground for fifteen long years. At that time, we know uh, what's coming our way, and in many ways, we have trained ourselves to be vigilant, to be sharp, um, and and to dodge these uh, unexpected uh, sometimes uh, bullets. But these guys, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite. It was because the women. We just followed their lead uh, into illegal mines, into police stations, into spaces that were all mostly like you know unwelcoming. Who well, if if they uh, uh, walked in, we walked in unless they said you know this is this is a space where you shouldn't come, and we'd honor that. So I would say we we just had borrowed their uh, chutzpah and just followed.
1: Yes, and by uh, these guys. (laughs) It's these filmmakers, Rintu Thomas and Sushmit Ghosh, that we're talking with about their new documentary, Writing with Fire. And of course, you can join the conversation 866-733-6786. If you'd like, email us, forum at kqed.org, or post any thoughts you're having on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Writing with Fire will also make its broadcast debut on PBS's Independent Lens on Monday, March 28th. And the film will also be available to stream on the PBS video app. Um, the other thing that's so amazing, Sushmit Ghosh, is just how effective their reporting is. They they do draw attention to illegal mining and, as I understand it, get the road fixed and, and other roads fixed that other people talk about that would never be on the radar of you know, governments or administration. They do get police to investigate sexual assaults and. Um, it, it is, Sushmich, I wonder, in terms of their effectiveness, what you think um, is not the secret to it, but what makes them able to be so effective in getting change, which is not, not all that common in journalism, honestly, to get concrete change.
3: I have a personal motto, bring women into positions of leadership and half the world's problems will just disappear like that. (laughs) And I think Kabul area essentially embodies that. Um, There are are journalists who are working uh, with a feminist and an independent lens. Uh, The fact that here is a news organization that really represents what happens when you're able to diversify uh, what newsmaking essentially is so in India, there was a survey done uh, a couple of years ago, and 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 the data was revealing uh, all the mainstream broadsheets and uh, the the uh, the TV press, the the people in editorial positions, ninety-three percent were quote unquote upper caste men, and uh, and and that's shocking because here you have middle-aged, upper-caste men who are deciding for an entire country, and a country as heterogeneous as India, where every 100 kilometers, language, culture, food changes, what news is, and who should be consuming what kind of news at what point in time. And so Khabal in a sense, offers an alternative to that paradigm that we're witnessing all across the world about how news institutions are grappling with what newsmaking is all about. And the fact that you know it's 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 an institution that is led primarily by women from marginalized communities means that it brings a certain kind of um, newsmaking aesthetic uh, and and ferociousness to the reportage that you see. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're able to actively create and champion such change on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you know, in ninety minutes, um, you usually pick the high points of storytelling. We filmed for almost four and a half years on the ground and everything had to be condensed to 90. So a lot of times you also see like the high points. Uh, Sometimes change is not easy to create. But one of the things that we always observe was how fastidious and and how how stubborn these journalists were with their follow-ups and with their reportage. This never give up spirit, even if it means that this story is going to lead to one tiny road being built for one tiny hamlet that has maybe 15 homes in it. But they were like, they deserve to have the basic sort of, you know, resources that every citizen of this country has been promised. Healthcare, food, uh, education, electricity. So we are going to make sure that we are reporting for them. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of a justice system, that kind of a circular sort of report out system is something that really, really differentiates what they're doing from mainstream press, which is dominated by men, and, and you see the results. It's it's really compelling.
1: Yeah. Sushmit, Rintu said a couple of times that that you followed their lead. And it is, the story really is told through their eyes. They tell the story of Kabbaleria. Um There was also something really interesting that you said, Sushmit, where you, you talked about in interviews that you hope <clears throat> to bring to both Indian audiences and international audiences a story that isn't too oversimplified for Indians and overcomplicated for an international audience how did you accomplish that
3: I think one of the riding factors was that we wanted to give audiences this experience of India especially in the west uh, you know people have a certain kind of a prototype of a story that is going to come out of India and more often than not, if you look at the stories that are celebrated, especially in nonfiction, it's usually the victim stories, you know, or oh, the poor Indians and someone comes in and helps them and, oh, look how we've been able to change their life. And I think that's the semantics and the language that we wanted to challenge as filmmakers from India, that, look, this is a story that's not an easy watch. But it's also a story that is so important to watch because you're going to experience the power of Indian women on screen and look at what they're doing. They're championing um, universal causes. And most importantly, I think one of the things that we were very, very um, keen to showcase was the likeness of being of these women, right? Uh, They, we wanted audiences to experience not only their wit and intelligence and doggedness, uh, but also the humor that they essentially hmm. demonstrate on a day-to-day basis. And there are a few scenes in the film where you see that. And I think that's one of the questions that we ask them. How do you, despite everything that you do, your 18-hour, 19-hour work days, seven days a week, 365 days a year, in this part of the country, manage to maintain such stoic dignity with a smile on your face? And it was just like, this is a part of life. I mean, we don't know, we wouldn't do it any other way. And that essentially became the spirit of the film as well. Um, So it was about basically connecting these complex dots because it's a deeply intersectional story that talks about gender and technology, the fourth estate and democracy and populism. Uh, But again, we realized that these are universal themes. So we set the story in India, but we stitched it in such a way where we knew audiences would resonate with it and go, ah, this is something that plays out in my part of the world as well.
1: Mm, yes, speaking of universal themes, you also do touch upon growing nationalism in India. And Mintu Thomas, there's a moment in the film when, when Mira lands an interview with the head of the Hindu Youth Brigade, which we understand, come to understand, underscores a connection to Prime Minister Modi and the Hindu nationalist movement. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that interview?
2: The character, his name is Satyan, um, we got access to him a whole year after Meera got access. Mm. And honestly, we didn't know what to expect when we landed up with our cameras in his little hut where he was doing giving this uh, on-camera interview to Meera. And uh, as we sat back and just, just uh, let the cameras roll, it felt like... You know, the, you, you usually have this idea of, oh, this is a person I, I don't agree with. His vision of the country is not something that I agree with. So how am I going to uh, deal with this? And, and 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 yet some part of you also believes that life is not all blacks and whites. It's the complexity of the greys that we are as filmmakers really after. And Satyam represented all of that and more. Um, he saw the opportunity of us having in the room as amplification of his own story but we didn't want to we, we didn't want to hand it over like that we wanted to understand Mira's interest in him she looked at for her uh, he represented the youth of our country and the future uh, of of the country and and how does this process happen how do people other each other um, and and uh, decide that my, my vision of uh, how uh, my country should be uh, should dominate um, and invisibilize who I understand and will propagate as the other. So that became our core focus of interest and that's why we go back to him um, and to really understand his own history of being a farmer's son, uh, uh, a father who dies by suicide. So you see that it is it is failed hopes and dreams, and 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 the kind of peddled hopes and dreams where you suddenly get a sense of importance because you are um, associating yourself with the dominant discourse. So it was all of all of these things. So we decided not to antagonize him and to really see it through Mira's eyes uh, and complicate it for the audience and see how and sort of like reflect back on. Um, Sometimes, for, for instance, Mira moves through, you know, a soul-sapping investigation. But the film pushes you to think and question how the right to live with dignity percolates to the edges of citizenship. Like who, whose story is important? Whose perspective is important? Who counts as a citizen? So we, we, it, it's a very difficult time anywhere in the world to be a journalist, uh, an artist, to have, some, with, uh, to have independent thought. But then how do we uh, confront this this world that we're living in by not being in our echo chambers, by actively, I think, trying to understand people who we disagree with. So those are kind of like the invisible layers that we try to build into the film so that it's not an easy, oh, this person's amazing and perfect and this person's really bad and, you know. Uh, I don't uh, um, engage with. it's It's the grays that that bring out mm. the beauty the complexity of what we are experiencing right now.
3: Maybe so, like just chiming in, I think you know, as artists or whoever you are, we can't escape where we are. but it's our responsibility to reshape how this story might be told through what we imagine and and, and most importantly, through what we do. There is a possibility to be able to reconstruct the present and inform the future, just like the journalists are. Before them, there was no paradigm of independent news cycles run by minority groups in the country. They completely reshaped that narrative. And so here was an opportunity to talk about we live in a world that is crumbling of, or, or, or it doesn't feel that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But there is. And look where, where that light's being. Who's holding the torch? Protagonists, you would just not expect to walk the path for you. Hmm. I think that's something that was important for us.
1: Well, a quick question from a listener wondering, is this film being seen and distributed in India, Sushmit?
3: We're hoping to bring it back over the summer of this year. Uh, I think the pandemic has played spoiled sport with all our plans. Mm -hmm. We've had to constantly Mm -hmm. revamp uh, and so we're keeping our fingers crossed, and uh, summer of 2022, uh, we're we, we're really keen for Indian audiences to to watch this film. And there's a lot of excitement for the film, especially after it it opened at Sundance, picked up the two awards, and then now with the shortlist uh, for the Academy, people really do want to watch it.
1: <laughs> yes, well, congratulations on that. And it's called Writing with Fire. Listeners, we've been talking with Sushmit Ghosh and Rintu Thomas, co-directors of the film, and... Caballaria is the name of the news network, the all women Dalit led news network, and you can find them as well. They are still reporting away every day on all of these stories. Thank you both for talking with us. I know it's very late over there where you are.
2: <laughs> we walked into a new day, but this is totally birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you.
1: you. Thank you, Rintu Thomas, Sushmit Ghosh. We have more forum after the break. I'm Mina Kim.